if you shift your state of mind, mm -hmm. then you will absolutely be able to see the benefit in trial. Yeah. You will not be able to see benefit in trial if you constantly see trial as being pointless, as being nothing but a hindrance, as being God's anger with you. You'll never be able to see benefits in it. There are some people that when they were tested, they started to laugh. They started to laugh. Mm. And I'll share this with you. This is like a vulnerable moment. I haven't shared this before. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi everyone. Welcome back to the Ilmfeed podcast. It's your host, Shabir Hassan. Uh, today we're talking, you know, why do bad things happen to us? Uh, why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala test us? Is there wisdom in it? Will I ever find out if there's a wisdom in it? How do I cope through this? The meaning of patience and so much more. Uh, we are honored to be joined by Sheikh Abdul Rahman Murphy. Uh, and uh, we had an amazing insightful discussion so i hope you enjoy this episode inshallah sheikh abdul rahman assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wa alaikum assalam how are you good alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah thank you so much for joining us thank you uh, and this is the first time we're actually meeting in person it so is. it's it's mashallah very special yeah yeah um and i can see you've been traveling quite mm. a bit recently mm -hmm. how's mm -hmm. the travels been going uh uh travels alhamdulillah yeah. have been good uh you know there's always uh as the hadith says, you know, سفر yes. So there's always a little bit of challenge, but oh. it's also part of the part of the the blessing when you travel. I'm traveling with two children right now, my 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 kids, my wife and kids, and so you uh, you're able to see them grow through these challenges, which is nice. Alhamdulillah. Mm. I'm actually um, I'm actually towards the finishing stages of translating a book. Okay. That I've been working on for a while now, mm. and part of the reason why it's taken me so long is because I don't know when to stop. You know, they say every great artist knows when to stop painting. <laughs> and, you know, you finished, mashallah, your beautiful book on Surat Yusuf. And it's, so I, I, maybe after the podcast, I can ask you for advice. The text is by a scholar, Izzadim ibn Abdus Salam, and it's called Fawa'adul Balwa wal Mahan. And it's a book that literally is translated to the benefits of trials and tribulation. And um, it's, subhanAllah, it was one of those texts that you look at it and you say, okay, that's interesting. But then you read it and, you know, it's it's a very short text. It's it's one of those texts that's just basically points. It's a bullet point mm -hmm. list. But um, as I was able to look at the text, as, as things kept coming. You know, Surah Yusuf obviously came a lot. Mm -hmm. The Sirah filled. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, Ibrahim Aisalam, his story, Musa Aisalam. I mean, all the prophets, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's part of the nature of their their mission is that they're tested. Yeah. But then even just the nature of some of the discussions in the Quran. You know, one of the things that I love about understanding tests is that you have to have the right perspective. Allah Ta'ala says in Surah Al-Ankabut, mm -hmm. He asks this question very strong, right, in the beginning, and then he begins. And the question is, do people really think that they're going to be left saying, I believe, and they'll never be tested? Mm -hmm. And then Allah Ta'ala says what? He says that we tested those who came before you right this testing thing is didn't start with you so that's a number one mm -hmm. that's the the fun, the disposition right yeah you're not the first person that's ever been tested and there's this concept in counseling called universality where everyone who's experiencing misery wants to know they're not alone it helps us uh -huh. you know if you and i were sitting here and we both experienced some bad thing okay there is value in us knowing that someone else has been through that even if there's no solution readily available yeah you know if i got into a car accident you got into a car accident may allah protect us mm -hmm. and then we're sitting here and we're talking about man how bad that was and blah 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 blah. even if like i'm not able to present you with a new car right now or a check to pay for your damages 
some way, for some reason, Allah created us to think to ourselves, well, at least someone else has been through this, mm -hmm. right? And that really helps. So universality. So Allah, yep. always, you know, He does this in the Quran. He tells us that we did this to people before you. So that when you look at your problems, you're saying, you know, I'm not the first person to ever been tested. Mm. But then why? What's the reason, right? Because Allah Ta'ala says, mm. Allah Ta'ala wanted it to become abundantly apparent, manifest, who was truthful and who was lying. Yeah. You know, the best part of any day is when you're able to go through a challenge and come out victorious. Mm. And the worst part is when you think you have the goods, you have what it takes to be, you know, get things done and you fail. Mm. Allah Ta'ala wanted us to understand this. Allah gives us tests primarily, as Surah Al-Ankabut mentions, so that we can understand who we are and how and how far we've progressed yeah. or how far behind we are. So when a person's being tested and going through trial and, you know, tribulation, evil and calamity, to put that blame onto Allah and to say, oh, you know what, this is not right, and why would Allah do this, and doesn't He love me? Well, part of this entire experience is that Allah wants you to taste the sweetness of success. He wants you to have that. How would you ever be successful if you never ever tested? If a person never went through difficulty, they would never have the ability to taste success, Yep. right? I see it even with my six-year-old son, man. You know, when he can't do something over and over and over again, and then finally he succeeds, he explodes, his voice is so loud, yes, Baba, yes. He calls me over, look, look what I can do. I've been trying 20, 50, you know, whatever times. And then he succeeds and that elation, that euphoria, man, it would not have been there had it happened the first time. Mm. So you could sit there and argue all you want, why would Allah do this to a poor child and put him through this and not let him be able to jump over this rope mm. or whatever. But then SubhanAllah, man, after failing multiple times, that success is so sweet. Yeah. And that's what that's one of the wisdoms that the scholars mention is that they say, how would you ever know Allah Ta'ala's favor if you didn't know what it was like to not have it temporarily? And so I think you know that's why you got a lot of questions because people are genuinely confused. Why would Allah do this? Why would Allah do this? Yeah. We have to reframe the question. We have to reframe the entire conversation. It's not about Allah Ta'ala testing us because He is a, a Lord that is that takes pleasure in mm -hmm. our in our suffering. No way. Yeah. No way. But Allah Ta'ala as our creator, Allah Ta'ala knows us better than everybody. He's the most intimately aware of us. Allah Ta'ala knows that we need these moments of trial and success in order for us to progress in life. Yeah. You know, recently we had a, a class on the 99 names of Allah. Mm. And two of the names that we covered was uh, Al-Dar mm. and then Al-Nafi'ah. So uh, what was interesting is obviously when you, when you translate Al-Dar, it's, it's a difficult one. It's a tough it one is, because yeah, I mean... Yeah. To just say Allah is the one who causes harm, yeah, you know, for 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 a lay person hearing that, it's just like what? So God wants to cause me harm, exactly. And yeah. when I was actually reading about those names, um, some of the scholars actually said you're not allowed to, or you're not advised to, just talk about this name, yep. Abdar. Yep. Like you can't just teach or discuss Abdar without bringing in Anafia. Yeah. Like you have to bring the two together. Yeah. Right. Which I found amazing because it's true. Like when we discuss Abdar, and then we said, okay, Anafia means the one who brings benefit and brings yeah. good to your life. Yeah. Then we kind of understood, okay, so in fact, it doesn't, it doesn't just balance out. Allah gives us way more mm. nafa, way mm. more benefit than the harm. And you know, when we think of harm, I guess that word today, it's like, okay, you're thinking of, I don't know, something like some physical kind of harm being done to you. But harm could just be like, you know, 
you've got a bit of a cough, like you, you're ill, you're physically mm-hmm. just a bit ill, right? Um, so I found that really interesting. It's it's just our way of understanding Allah and who He is. And I think when we begin to understand the the the, the you know uh, as as much as we can, of course, we can't fully, but yeah. the essence and the nature of Allah, Him bringing some kind of you know harm or some kind of test, let's mm-hmm. put it that way, into yeah. your life, then um, then then I think that kind of helps when you reframe things that way. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting. You also, you know, the, the book that you're translating it begins with the word fawaid, mm-hmm. um, because again, for, for someone who's like, what fawaid? What yeah. benefits? How? What good is there in, in this? Right. So, what what kind of things have you have have kind of, you know, have you found to be like, wow, okay, that's that's interesting. Man, I mean, you know, he lists a lot. There's like mm. 21 or something. Yeah. And I have my notes here, and um, but you know, there, there's there's a lot. Subhanallah. One of the first ones that he mentions, which I think is very critical for our era in particular, is that he mentions that one of the benefits of being through any trial is that a person is instantly, instantly comes. He uses the word ma'rifah, which ma'rifah is a is a it's a linguistic term, but it's also like a spiritual term, mm-hmm. right? So, a person linguistically, when ma'rifah is established, it means to come to know something, right? Mm-hmm. To establish a firm, unquestionable understanding of something. Ma'rifah from a more spiritual, you know, uh, tazkiyah or suluk kind of background is when a person, their heart understands something. You know, there's there's the knowledge of the mind and then there's mm. the knowledge of the heart, right? So the knowledge of the mind is like, you can say it's more information, it's theoretical. It's, yeah. The knowledge of the heart is like deeply convic- convicted that you understand that this is a reality, mm. okay? So everyone knows, for example, that like if I told you that, you know, um, man, you know, when you hold your daughter for the first time when she's born, it's going to be an incredible moment. Like a person who is expecting a child is like, yeah, inshallah, inshallah. They know this mentally. But then when it happens, what happens? Well, you know, it's ilm al-yaqeen and ayn al-yaqeen. Mm-hmm. The difference between certain knowledge and experiential lived reality. Yeah. You're like, wow, subhanAllah. So one of the things he says is that you have a deep understanding of Allah's rububiyyah and your own and his 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 unlimited power and your own lowliness okay okay now again for a lot of people maybe from a younger audience like this is something that's going to be very like sour to sort of mm. you know take in but as you get older and uh, i'm recently coming off my acl surgery that i had in january right i tore my my acl my meniscus and i had surgery as you get older allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives you physical reminders yeah that you are weak mm. you know you go from a state of weakness to a state of strength as Allah Ta'ala says back to a state of weakness and helplessness and when you when you when you turn that corner of 30 into 40 into 50 you don't sleep as well you know you you can't recover as quickly uh you know if you if you get sick or get injured all of these things are like physical signs yeah okay the alamat like these are signs that you're just getting older and that it's a part of so you go through these moments and then you realize man like i'm not as strong as i thought i can't pull these all-nighters anymore mm-hmm. i can't stay up all night and then still function the next day mm. you know i can't i can't roll my ankle or twist my ankle playing uh uh sorry football i was gonna say soccer <laughs> playing football or playing basketball and like within a day be be feeling better no i'm gonna feel sore for the next week yeah. at least so all of these moments subhanallah they humble us and they bring us back down and Ibn Atta'illah, he actually says something really beautiful. He says that Allah Ta'ala tests you and he lets you know that it's him testing you. Who al-mubli? He's the one that gives you the bala. 
Why? So that you know that he is the one who is testing you. Who is he? He's Ar-Rahman Rahim. He's the Al-Wadud. He's the one that loves you so much. Imagine if it was someone that hated you who was testing you. Yeah. True. Imagine. So now you know when you're being tested, oh, but Allah loves me and this test has some sort of value. It has some sort of... So the first thing that he mentions in his book is he says that it's amazing that a person being tested goes through this moment of humility. And at the same time, simultaneously, realization of Allah Ta'ala's greatness. Yeah. Because you and I know, we start to get high on ourselves, right? We do something well, mm. you know, you start to feel really good, man, alhamdulillah, is me, you know, you praise your own abilities. I'm so good at memorizing. I'm so good at this. I'm so good at that. And then Allah Ta'ala gives you one thing. You know, I remember one time I was leading Salah and I made a mistake in Surah Al-Fatiha. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it happens. You it know, you're leading, you got something on your mind, you're tired, whatever. It's hot, you know, who knows? And you forget an ayah in Surah Al-Fatiha. And it even happened to one of my teachers, one of my, my Quran teachers in Tarawih at Witzer, you know, end of the night. Oh, He's yeah. tired, you know, yeah. and he forgets. I forget what ayah. He forgot an ayah in Surah Al-Fatiha. Why would that happen? The guy read Surah Al-Fatiha. For 30 years, 20 rakat every night in Ramadan, and he misses it. You think that you think that that's just a coincidence? No, man. There's there's value to those moments. Mm. They happen because maybe in those experiences we think that we're something special, and all of a sudden now you're brought back back mm. down to the earth. Yeah. You know what? Even you can forget Fatiha, and the person correcting you is some six year old in the back of the masjid. <laughs> you know, he's correcting you. Yeah. yeah. And you're the imam. Mm. And so there's there's beauty and being reminded and being tested, whether the test is large or whether it's something that's maybe, you know, less significant, there's beauty and there's value in being brought back down to earth and being humbled, especially in our era. We're, we're in the era of arrogance, subhanAllah. Mm. So I was looking into the word a while back, um, but I was looking into the word fitna, um, mm. which of course is quoted in that verse you mentioned in Surah Al-Ankabut. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think Imam Raghi mentions it as well in his famous, you know, Quranic dictionary where fitna actually, uh, what it means originally, how the Arabs used to use it is, it was used to describe the process of purifying gold. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, you know, you need to heat it up, intense, intense kind of heat. And then what that does, it removes all the impurities and all that dross. Yeah. And then it's left with what we know as like the most valuable asset in the yeah. world. Um, and that's what fitna is. So uh, for, for a lot of us, when we think of fitna, we think of, okay, it's this really bad, terrible thing that yeah. Allah is sending you away. Yeah. Everything's fitna. He called your children a fitna, even in the Quran, yeah, right? But subhanAllah, actually, it's a means of, when we look at it this way, it's a means, a process of yeah. purification where just like the gold needs to reach a, a level of like intense heat, things are going to get really intense for us. Yeah. And then by the end of it, it's left with something valuable, mm. which for us would be, you know, alhamdulillah, we, we, we've achieved some kind of purification or we've learned something yeah. and there's something there. So I think that that ties in quite nicely because, you know, we've got this perception of a test or a fitna as just something, it's like a punishment almost. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this was a common question, by the way, which is like, how do you differentiate between like, Allah's punishing me yeah. because I'm just so bad and he mm. like almost detests me versus, okay, Allah, you know, he's just, he's testing me and just, you know, wants to prompt me to, to, to go the yeah. right way. Ibn al-Qayyim, he, he, he talks about this beautifully. He says that the difference between a test and the difference between a punishment, mm -hmm. okay, or, you know, however you want to phrase that, is uh, all in how you respond. Because everyone is tested the same way. Right. You know, one of the amazing things I love about the sirah is that if a person genuinely wants to find answers, they'll find answers there. Mm-hmm. Um, one moment about the sirah that, that always sh shocks me 
is the ayah in which Allah Ta'ala mentions the story of uh, they ask you about the soul. Yep. So, you know, Stad Sheikh, what was the job of the Prophet ﷺ? The job of the Prophet ﷺ was that he was a messenger. This was his job. His job was literally to answer people's questions, to teach them the book, to recite to them, to give them the wisdom, and to make sure that they came to know Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and they believed in Him. That was his mission. Okay. Yeah. So Allah now mentions this 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 conundrum that the Prophet ﷺ is in, awesome. this trial. And that is that people are asking him about the soul. What is it? We can't see it, right? All we see is the body. How do we know the soul exists, okay? And these are questions that happened at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, but also happen now. Yeah. You know, people want to know about the metaphysical world and this and that. And uh, everyone's looking for proofs and, and all that. And one thing I love, and Imam al-Ghazali, he mentions this in his book. He has a book on, on kalam. It's like the introduction, al-jam al-awam. He has this book where he talks about what is required in order for you to even ask questions. Mm -hmm. You know, he says you can't just walk into the room and expect to be uh, ready. You have yeah. to know. You have to know where your limits are. Mm. And he mentions that one of the limits is that you have to at least be able to say, "I won't be able to understand everything." And this ayah says that yes, <laughs> that we have not been given much knowledge about it. And it's one of Allah's concerns. It's one of Allah's affairs, right? We aren't the ones that are in charge of it. Now, here's my question to you. If the job of the Prophet ﷺ is to teach people Islam, and I'm going to use this word very lightly, convince them, because we know that Allah Ta'ala says that it's not his job yeah. to convince people, but I'm going to use to make mm -hmm. da'wah to them. Mm -hmm. If that's his job, like literally that's his job, okay? Wouldn't it, in some hypothetical world, be valuable for him to have this answer mm. that they say what is the ruh and then he comes out with like bam yeah, you got yeah, the yeah. exact perfect answer mm. right wouldn't yeah. it make sense yeah like in our mind of course yeah. right if, if we if we gave someone a job and one of the questions they were being asked was a question wouldn't we want to help them solve that problem yeah yeah it, it adds to some kind of credibility almost exactly like, yeah. and it and it and it happens by the way in other surah al-kahf mm. surah yusuf what is Surah Yusuf? What is Surah Al-Kahf? Yeah. It is Allah giving the Prophet ﷺ responses to questions that were being posed to him. Exactly, yeah. So we have precedent for this. Mm. We know that there's moments where Allah gave him the answer because it helped him in his role. So now he's sitting there, وسلم, and he has this question, right? And people come to him and he's waiting for Wahi to come down and give him the answer. And this is what Allah sends. Allah sends him this ayah that says that the ruh, it's you don't know much mm. about it. <laughs> and it's one of and Allah is saying it's one of my areas of, of concern. You don't have to concern yourself with it. Just yeah. know that it exists. Just know that it's the thing that will go beyond uh, this life. And khalas, like just take care of it. Mm. Subhanallah. And here as, as, as humans, we're sitting here saying, oh man, if only Allah had given him the answer, how many questions would have been solved for generations? Mm. How many Redditors would we have been able to silence? Yeah. Neil deGrasse Tyson finally would not be popular. You know, like we'd be able to solve so many yeah. problems. But you know what's crazy? Every ayah in the Quran, every moment like this has its own lesson. And surely by Allah not telling us, there's more of a lesson than Allah telling us. Mm. Had Allah given us the perfect answer, we're imagining a world of harmony. Everyone's Muslim. Yeah. Everywhere in the world looks like Whitechapel, right? Everywhere looks like East London. Maybe not, right? But everywhere <laughs> looks like, you know. But you know what's crazy? Maybe by Allah not telling us the answer, there's more value for us. Maybe there's a fa'idah there. Mm. So what is the fa'idah? 
Well, the fight is that the person walks away saying, you know what? I don't deserve to know everything. I don't deserve to know everything. Mm -hmm. And if the Prophet ﷺ was not given every answer, then who is Abdurrahman? So I'm sitting here and saying, oh God, why me? Why me? Why me? Mm -hmm. And this verse in the Quran comes and says, you know what? There are some moments, there are some bits of information that you simply are not equipped to handle. Mm -hmm. And they are only for Allah. And so again, moving back to the conversation on why bad things happen. Imagine if there's a lot of things that happen that are bad that you don't get in the moment and then later you understand. Yeah. Okay. But there are some things that you will not be able to understand until you meet Allah. And Allah on the day of judgment, things will become clear and apparent and manifest. Mm. Everyone will understand what happened and they will get the whole picture. Yeah. Okay. The director's cut. You'll be able to see mm. what was happening at the same time. Maybe one of the reasons why bad things happen is so that we can understand what it means to actually trust in Allah. If we always had to know why, mm. how would we ever trust Allah? You wouldn't be able to. Yeah. Right? And one of the sweetest moments in any relationship is when a person is trusted by someone and those two love each other. Mm. So if I loved you and you loved me, inshallah, that's true. And you say, hey, Abdurrahman, just trust me. Say, so where are we going for dinner? You say, just trust me. What you want from me in that moment is you want me just to say, you know what? I'm handing all of my questions over to you mm. and I trust you. Close my eyes, take me by the hand, let's go eat. That's going to make you feel so good. Yeah. yeah. And when, when you fulfill the trust and I go and I sit and I'm like, this place is amazing. Then I'm going to feel good for having trusted you. And now we both, our love increases. Yeah. Allah Ta'ala wants us to trust him. Mm -hmm. And he puts us in situations where we have no material answer for why this happened. There's no benefit. It's not clear at all. And all we're left with in that moment is what? Tawakkaltu ala Allah. I have to put my trust in Allah. Yeah. Look at the story of Yusuf. Yusuf did the right thing. I say Sayyidina Yusuf salam, did the right thing over and over and over and over and over. We're doing it in hard work right now. Did the right thing over and over and over and over again. Yet always was tested, always was tested over and over again. Mm. But throughout that entire ordeal, what was being developed within him, just like Allah said to Musa alayhi there was that preparation that was happening. Yeah. Right? And so subhanAllah, think about that. Maybe you're being tested so that Allah is preparing you for something to bring you closer to him. I'm preparing you for myself. Mm. Right? So there's so many unhidden uh, or hidden, I'm sorry, gems. Yeah, yeah. And you know, it's it's when, when you look at any kind of like successful person, you know, someone who's made it, whether it's yeah. a celebrity or whatever field, um, I've realized there's this common common theme of they all have this kind of background story of like, you know, from the slums or, yeah. you know, from like a really poor background or really difficult background. And then it was through some kind of struggle and challenge in their life that they, they managed to like make it in whatever that sport, you know, whatever, whatever field it yeah. is, they become, they became elite. Yeah. Uh, and when you look at the seerah, um, you know, even not even Meccan era, even the the early Medinan era. And then it's like in the last few years, you start to see, okay, the fruits, mm -hmm. Prophet Yusuf again, how you mentioned about Allah preparing him, you know, he eventually becomes like a leader of the people of Egypt. Yeah. So it's like, would he have been equipped for that role had Allah not taken him through the prison and the well and everything else? Probably not, you know, yeah. like to, to to have that kind of grit and that um, uh, that strength 
to to take on a role of, of that yeah. kind of, of of that kind of level and caliber. And you know what's crazy about Yusuf Aisalam in particular? I read this in in Ibn Ajiba's Tafsir. Mm. He said that the thing that got him in trouble was yeah. that he had this dream, mm. in theory, right? Because again, some of the Mufassirin said they said that Yaqub uh, uh, Aisalam's uh, second wife had overheard it and had told the boys. There was this, you know, yeah, speculation yeah. about how the news got to them. The dream was the thing that caused him trial. Yeah. Right. Even if the brothers didn't hear about it, some of us, I mean, they, they just posture that the brothers had, you know, been, been simultaneously plotting. Okay. Let's say they didn't hear about it. Yeah. The dream definitely caused him some concern. That's why he went to his father. Yeah. yeah. And then his father said, what? Don't tell anybody. Mm. Don't tell your brothers. That's for sure. Yeah. Because. People plan, we don't want Shaitan to influence and make this into a difficult situation for you at the hands of your brothers, right? That very test became his superpower. It became his skill. Yeah. He's sitting in the prison and the two prisoners are like, hey, we had this dream and you, they had, we each had a dream and you look like a very pious person. Mm. Can you help us? You know, one of, one, one of them was, you know, uh, 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 the birds were picking right yeah and one of them was, and so and he and he he has this he has this interpretive moment and then the king finds out subhanallah and it's so incredible i was thinking to myself when i was reading this i was like the very thing that got him in trouble was the thing that got him out of trouble later mm -hmm. isn't that the, isn't that what yeah, you just yeah. said yeah. the very trial the slums the the hard work look at all these athletes yeah. that were playing soccer in the streets of their home mm -hmm. countries dust old ball sorry sorry, sorry. football Football, I'm yeah. sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and no net and everything, right? Yeah, yeah. And 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 they develop this amazing conditioning or whatever it might be, and then they come out and they and they play in the Premier League or they play across the world, and they're so talented. Mm. Why? Because then they weren't given the silver spoon or the the golden spoon or whatever it might be. Subhanallah. So yeah. those very difficulties that you're going through are going to become your talents. Yeah, you're yeah. going to be. And actually, is Ibn Abd Salam he mentions that he says that one of the things that Allah gives you. Is that you become a rahma for somebody else? So I was going to ask you this, Sheikh Shabir. When did Allah test you with something? You went through the test, and then someone came to you because you're an imam, and they asked you about the very same thing you had gone through. Has that happened in your life? And have you been able to yeah, provide yeah. perspective? Yeah, that has actually happened a few times. I would need to sit and probably reflect further and deeper. Um, but I can think of a few occasions where, had I not experience something myself mm. then i would not have been able to to help and and to and to help someone through it like whether it's even just a a small kind of issue in in, in marriage you know like as as happens in in every marriage right in every relationship yeah. um if you don't experience it and you're just like an unmarried person on twitter you know giving some <laughs> advice right it's my favorite, then, uh, <laughs> those are my favorite accounts to follow i know i know single uh, marriage advisors yes yes they're, they're the best right um <laughs> right but honestly like if, if you haven't experienced it and you haven't dealt with the situation when it when it gets heated and you're yeah. in that moment even something as small as that then really how can you guide someone and help them through when no when, when they're going through it um i was also thinking sheikh of like um you know sometimes we think of the wisdom the wisdom like fawaid right yeah. the wisdom behind why i'm going through something the, the way that i say and correct me if i'm wrong i mean like there, there are going to be times in life where you do see, for example, Yusuf Ali Islam, he mm. saw the kind of fruits and the wisdom behind yeah. what he went through. That's not always going to be the case. Of course. Um, there's going to be many kind of events um, uh, or tests in your life where you're, you're still kind of stumped. Like, why did that happen? Yeah. What's the wisdom behind it? Um, but there will be some, like I'll, I'll mention one quick uh, example. Um, this is actually very recent. Um, it, it, was a, it was an inconvenience, let's just say. It wasn't like a huge test, but mm. for me it was... At the moment, I was quite upset about it. Mm -hmm. It was to do with Umrah. 
And uh, last year with Faith, we, we took an Umrah group, right? So I was, alhamdulillah, the group leader. We had a group of like 45, 50 people that went with us. Obviously, there's a lot of pressure as a group leader. You're already stressing about the plan and everything else, right? But anyway, the, you know, cut the long story short. For those of you who have been for Umrah recently, you know there's two types of visas. You have the Umrah visa and you have the tourist visa, right? Yep. Tourist visa is great because uh, it lasts for one year. And then the Umrah visa only lasts for whatever, a few weeks, right? Uh, one-time kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, so what happens is uh, the, the agents that we're working with, they apply for uh, visas for everyone in the whole group. Uh, and of course, they, they because it doesn't cost much more, they apply for the, um, the tourist visa, mm. right? Anyway, uh, after a few days, he comes back and he says, right, so um, everyone's got a tourist visa except for one person. One person's application was rejected. And it was yours, basically, it was me. So I was like, you being serious? <laughs> like, everyone, including, by the way, this was my nine-month-old daughter at the time, baby got a, a tourist visa and I got rejected. I was like, yeah. I've been so many times before. She's sinless. That's why <laughs> right. I'm <sure>. Exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, it was, it was an inconvenience. And obviously, alhamdulillah, you know, we were able to just apply for a, uh, a, a standard Umrah visa and I yeah. managed to, to get in, right? Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah, which is fine. But anyway, uh, we did the whole Umrah, we did the whole tour and everything else. And on the way back, Sheikh, what happens is we get to um, the airport, I think it was Jeddah Airport, and we're just coming off the coach and everyone's, you know, we're ready to fly back home. Uh, and uh, then, uh, you know, everyone's excited because at that point, what everyone's thinking about is Zamzam, right? Mm -hmm. You get your five litre bottle uh, of Zamzam water, which you can take back home with you. Yeah, yeah. So we get off the, the coach and then this guy comes along from the airport and says, by the way, uh, our policy has changed. And uh, anyone with a, a tourist visa cannot take home a Zamzam. Yep. Only if you have an Umrah visa, you get a Zamzam. So I'm looking at my visa and I'm like, right, okay, interesting, because I'm the only one that can take Zamzam. But of course, I'm upset for the group because many of these guys have come for the first time and I want them to take Zamzam home. So I asked the guy, look, can you do anything for us? He says, oh, interestingly, if the group leader has an Umrah visa, then you can basically you we can use your visa to get zamzam for everyone in the group oh wow right so alhamdulillah like i looked at that and i was like really so literally gave him just my visa and we had like 50 bottles of uh, um. of zamzam water and everyone had it and subhanallah then i'm reflecting on the flight back thinking had i been given a tourist visa none of us would have had zamzam the reason is clear yeah so it's, it's a small inconvenience like i said yeah, yeah. Like i saw huge wisdom oh, and man. benefit in something as small as that's that that's amazing yeah yeah so i, I didn't know that i didn't know that it was a one for everybody that's amazing yeah yeah if only if the group leader if has the group it. Leader, yeah yeah, yeah. so know. it's 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 pretty amazing and like you said there are those moments where that's going to happen and then there are those moments where there's not and there's a yeah. hadith in bukhari where you know the person will see all of their subhanallah this hadith gives me goosebumps the, the person will, on the day of judgment, mm. will come and they will see so much good. Mm. Some that they recognize, some that they don't recognize. And they'll ask about the stuff that they don't recognize. Yeah. And they'll say, where did this come from? And they'll be told that this is all the dua that you made that was not answered. Mm. This is all the dua you made that, that was not answered. Sorry. And subhanAllah, the person will say, I wish Allah never gave me anything mm. in the dunya. Because they recognize in that moment that this was the stuff that carried them in. This was the these were the moments. So right now we're sitting here and we're like asking Allah for A, B, and C, and we're not getting it, or it's not coming in the way that it's that we expect or in the timeline, and we're like frustrated. And now you fast forward to the day of judgment, 
And the angels are saying, oh, yeah, remember that car that you wanted or that job that you wanted or that house that you put an offer on that got rejected or whatever, the mm. marriage proposal that didn't work out, whatever, you name it. Remember all those things? Yeah, well, I know that you wanted it, but at the same time, Allah wanted you to be in Jannah. Here. And, and subhanAllah, we're going to be sitting there, we're going to be thinking to ourselves like, man, I wish that, the hadith says, the prince says, I wish that Allah did not give me anything that I asked for mm. and that all of my good was withheld from me until the akhirah. So th those hadith are worth so much to just sit and to reflect over because you become so, you, a person can become so frustrated. Yeah, and And it's important to note that. There will be some moments in life where you will be able to extract the wisdom. Mm -hmm. And if you're creative enough, by the way, you can do it pretty pretty fit, uh, quickly. The job of a Muslim is to be able to trust in Allah. What does tawakkul mean? What does patience mean? Patience is to, when, a, when an affliction happens, you don't speak ill of Allah. You don't feel ill of Allah. Yeah. And you, you trust, right? You have this moment of, I trust in Allah. And then as soon as you're able to give yourself that equilibrium in your heart, okay, you know what? Things are not going the way that I want, but I'm going to trust in Allah. I didn't get my visa, but I know that there must be something here. The quicker that reaction time, that's the stronger your iman is. Yeah, A person's iman is stronger when their reaction time is quicker. Sometimes the frustrations take weeks and months for us to resolve. Mm. We're upset and we hold it against Allah. And then after a month, we're like, Okay, you know what? It wasn't that big of a deal. But the Muslim is somebody that we become, we want that time to get shorter and shorter eventually to where we're like, we don't even feel it. Mm. The response time is so quick. Yeah. You know, some people in, in their training, they're able to do tasks that require so much training, whether it's in their job or in their hobbies or whatever, that if it's a novice person doing it, it would take me so long to do it, mm. you know? But for someone that's been doing it over and over again, they don't even know what they're doing. They, it's so secondary, yeah. right? It's like the back of their hand. They can do it so quickly. That's what we hope for with, with trusting mm -hmm. in Allah. So that's number one is patience and then trust. And then subhanAllah, what happens is if you get good at this, and I'm not there, but I, I hear this, right? I read this. If you get good at this, Allah gives you the blessing of being able to have what's called billah. That in every scenario, in every moment, you go through something, and is it even Abdul Salam? He mentions this. He says, There are some people that when they were tested, they started to laugh. They started to laugh. Mm. And I'll share this with you. This is like a vulnerable moment. I haven't shared this before, ever. I tore my ACL in December, and uh, it was, you know, painful, whatever. And I had to have surgery. It's like a year or plus recovery. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's I have two kids. Surgery. Knee, knee, knee surgery in America, you know, these things are privatized, so you have to pay for them cash and whatever if you don't have insurance, all that. And uh, anyways, I'm not going to tell the long story, but I was playing in a basketball league with some brothers, mashallah, good brothers, Qadam students. We were in a city league playing against people that we don't know, right? It's a Muslim team, and we're playing against, like, you know, general public. Mm. And this guy, he bumps me, and when I'm in the air, I block his shot, he bumps me, and then I come down, I, my knee pops, Okay. I go get an MRI and I'm driving it to my friend's house, Muslim radiologist. He reads the MRI and he tells me, I'm so sorry, bro. Your ACL is torn. Your meniscus is torn. You're going to need surgery, this and that, mm -hmm. right? So I'm leaving his house and I'm crying because I'm like, man, you know, like the league was good, blah, blah, blah. I'm like upset, you know? Yeah. But at the same time, I'm laughing. Mm -hmm. And this isn't, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to say anything about myself, but I was, I was confused. I almost felt weird, like I was upset, but I was still at the same time. I said, I was like, 
in a weird way, I was like smiling. And then I was driving home and I said, man, how lucky am I that Allah, I claim to love Allah in all conditions. I say that all the time. I teach every week. We should love Allah all the time. We should love Allah all the time. And now Allah is putting me through a very difficult challenge that it's going to take me a long time, weeks of not walking, weeks of difficulty of relying on other people, using crutches, mm -hmm. right? Self-doubt, about moments of depression, right? Difficulty. Mm -hmm. I get to see if I really love Allah. And I said to myself, how lucky am I that I actually get a moment? Because if everything is going well in your life, how do you know if you really love Allah? Because mm -hmm. you're almost like, you're just happy. Things are going well. You only really get to get that chance if Allah puts you in a moment where you have to love him, even in the difficult time. And so when I was leaving my friend's house, I remember I was driving and I was like, I had a tear coming down my cheek and I was like, man, you know, I was having it to my wife and I was actually more scared of my wife than I was of the surgery. Cause she was like, don't get injured when yeah, you play sports, yeah. you know how it is. And so I was like thinking to myself and I started laughing. I said, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. I'm going to be able to, I'm going to be able to finally prove what I've been saying to everybody, which is as a teacher, you're sitting in front of people saying, we have to love Allah. We have to love Allah. And I said, Abdurrahman, now you get the chance to actually walk the walk. You get the chance to actually not be hypocrite. Right. And it's going to be hard. And, and Sheikh, it was very difficult. It is very difficult. Mm -hmm. Knee pain. They drill a hole into your bone, man. You know what I mean? There are nights where you're just grabbing your leg and you're just like, those who have gotten it done know. Mm -hmm. They take a piece of your patellar tendon and make that your new ACL. It's, it's it's painful. Wow. And you have to be able to still get up and pray Fajr and say, SubhanAllah, <laughs> during Raku. You have to praise Allah. And subhanAllah, I, those moments, I'll tell you, man, subhanAllah, when I read this text and I was right, I was translating it as I was going through the surgery, I said, I am now getting a very small glimpse of what he was talking about. Mm -hmm. That there are moments where Allah tests you and you would say, okay, this is my chance. This is my chance. Like the person who thinks he's really good at something yeah. and then now he gets the chance to prove it. And we hope that Allah protects us from failure in those moments. Yeah, I mean. Because that's got to be the worst feeling. The worst feeling that Allah taught to protect us is when you think you love Allah and then you get tested and you disappoint yourself. And mm -hmm. you say, you know what? I start to feel a certain way about Allah and I regret feeling that way. I regret saying those things. I regret doubting Allah ever from the beginning. And so this is one of those, subhanAllah, amazing books that I hope, inshallah, you know, we can get published soon because there's so many points in it. That are so valuable. Absolutely, Charlie. I mean, it reminds me of something I was reading about, which is uh, like the highest level of sabr. We're talking about patience and sabr. The highest yeah. level is literally to have rida, like to be content. Yeah. And when you read that initially, you're like, "That's just crazy." Like, how's it possible? Yeah. How yeah. can how can you go through something traumatic? Yeah. And then sit there and be like, "Alhamdulillah, you know, thank you, Allah." Like you're yeah. thanking Allah and you're actually you're appreciative and you're you're okay with it. Not yeah. just okay, you're content. Like uh -huh. yeah, and um. Yeah, and, and I guess, like you said, unless Allah puts you through it, you would never know. Yeah. Because I could read that and then like I could teach that to students and I can make a video about it and be like, mm -hmm. this is the highest level of patience, guys. And like, how is, right? that, how, yeah. how, how is it possible? And you're like, yeah. Yeah, but then when you go through it and, you know, and, and I guess it's one of those things as well where it's, it's not going to happen maybe the first time. Like, it, no. it's almost like this... You know, it's, it's, it's like Allah needs to kind of like, you know, it, just like Yusuf Ali Islam, like there's a series of... Yeah unfortunate events right Girl. you know literally like yeah there's a yeah. series of things that so happen right there's so that right right exactly you see this by the way with everybody mm. people are tested they start laughing yeah, i've actually yeah. seen it like with parents eating at a restaurant and their 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 child like tips over the drink yeah, yeah. spills everywhere 
And instead of just screaming, they just start laughing. When you see parents who are like laughing at moments like that, you know that they've been through it. Mm. Because it's the new <laughs> ones that are like, oh my God, what do we do? And yeah, they're freaking yeah, out. Yeah. And this one's just laughing saying, kids, yeah, what do you yeah, do? You know? Yeah. And they're dealing with it so beautifully. You know, they have a smile on their face. They're cleaning whatever up. And so it's possible. You read this stuff in, in books of Tuskia, but we see this in real life. Mm. There are people where something bad happens and they just kind of chuckle at themselves. And they say, mm. okay, how am I going to get out of this one? Yeah. You know, maybe they're not Muslim and they kind of don't understand that Allah is facilitating it. But everyone has the capacity to handle difficult moments with that grace. Absolutely. You know, everyone yeah. has that ability. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and you know, what, what helps me personally is, I'm not saying I'm at that level of being able to be, you know, so thankful in those moments, but like, you know, what helps me in those moments is just actually trying to think of the, like if something bad has happened, I try to think of like the alternatives, like how it could have been worse. Oh yeah. Um, and that really personally, it helps me. I don't yeah. know if it's, it's going to help everyone, but like, for example, back in Ramadan, uh, we had, you know, I, I flew with my wife and, and, my, and my daughter. We came back, it was a long flight. The flight was delayed. You know, one of those ones where it's yeah. like, I just want to get home. Then we get from the airport, we come out, you know, alhamdulillah, we land safely, go to the car and this is Ramadan. So we're trying to make it home for suhoor and everything, right? It's, it's late yeah, at night. Yeah. And then my car's got a flat tire. So, yes, um, you know, it's, it's just like, great, because now we have to wait like another few hours in the car outside with the baby, just like stranded, right? Yeah. And then we have to wait for someone to come and help us and whatever, right? And we miss support, et cetera. But then it, at that moment, I was thinking, you know what, alhamdulillah, this didn't happen while I was driving on the road where, yeah. you know, like I've got a baby in the back, anything yeah. could have happened. It's dark. Yep. I'm like half tired. I'm, you know, anything could have happened where I could have just swerved and, you know, got for through sure, it. Yeah. Could have happened, right? So I'm like, yeah. at least we were stationary. It was before I, I I I I took off, and we were right by a shop, like a service station, where we could have bought some stuff for Suhoor. Like everything actually worked out well. Of course. And you know, it wasn't like I was on my way to like someone's wedding to officiate their nikah. Yeah. And if that happened then, then I would have been screwed because yeah. I would have been so late for someone's wedding, and I would have messed up their plans. At least it was like a time where I didn't. I wasn't. It wasn't urgent. It's like, funny how yeah. being late for a wedding is like your worst case. Oh scenario. my god, it is. Oh, I have anxiety about that stuff, Chef. <laughs> it could have been but, like, oh, we have a medical emergency. No, no, I, like you're like, I had to go to someone's dickhead. Like it's, it, which is probably running late anyway. As soon as I'm on my way, yeah. I hate being late anyway. Yeah, yeah. But like, God forbid, if something happens and I ruin someone else's day, like my thing. Sure. No yeah, problem. I get it. Even I my class it. that I teach, I can let my students know. But someone else's wedding. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. yeah that, I agree that just, with you. That I agree. But you know what's beautiful about your story? And, and, and you said it worked out. And I'll tell you this. Uh, it's, a, it's a state of mind. If you are willing to understand it, you'll realize it always does. It always works out. It, it may not work out in the way that you thought. But Allah has given us enough in order for us to be able to have those simple satisfying moments of comfort you know mm. um you think about missing a flight and you have to lay down on the airport and you have your backpack as your pillow mm. it's such a weird thing because in any world you would never use your backpack as your pillow you're at you're at home you have a bed you have a pillow but you put your head down on that backpack and for some reason there's a comfort there right and again it's all about your expectations so when you're going through life and you're being tested instead of focusing on what's going wrong you have to focus on what could have been worse number one Number two is what's going right. And all of a sudden now your relationship with Allah changes dramatically. Mm -hmm. You know, it changes absolutely from its very foundational level. And that's exactly right. You think to yourself, okay, there's a service station right there. I can get some water, some, you know, some granola bars, some whatever. So who is taken care of? Baby is safe, happy, healthy, fed, clean diaper, nappy, whatever, right? <laughs> We're good. Yeah. You know, wife is chilling, phones are charged. 
we're texting friends, you know, passing the time. Mm -hmm. And then before you know it, a few hours later, it's as if it never happened. And then a few weeks later, a few months later, you don't even remember it. Exactly. You don't even remember it. SubhanAllah, right? But again, that's a state of mind. And so one of the things that I, I hope to accomplish by by writing this book and by translating and commenting on it is if you shift your state of mind, mm-hmm. then you will absolutely mm-hmm. be able to see the benefit in trial. Yeah, You will not be able to see benefit in trial if you constantly see trial as being pointless, as being nothing but a hindrance, mm-hmm. as being God's anger with you. You'll never be able to see benefits in it. You will always be able to see benefits in trial if you see Allah's constant mercy and grace, if you see that you are a work in progress mm. and that he's developing you, you will always be able to see benefits. It doesn't matter. And I, I'm not sure how much hospital chaplaincy you've done, mm-hmm. visiting people in the hospital. I'm sure that you've done it sometimes. In America, we have you know uh, a few imams that go and visit families. Yep. I've never seen, subhanAllah, such an example of this thinking well of Allah and how it manifests in their behavior than when I've seen patients who have been given very dire diagnoses, if not terminal. Mm. And the first thing that I hear them say is Alhamdulillah. I walk in the room, Alhamdulillah. And then they say, yeah, you know, it's not looking good. Mm. It almost seems contradictory. Alhamdulillah, it's not looking good. Yeah. You talk to them a little bit more, they say, yeah, but I'm Alhamdulillah, Allah gave me this. Alhamdulillah, I've been able to sort things out with my family. Alhamdulillah, you know, I'm in a good place. I'm able to pass away with my kids by my side. Yeah. And you sit there and and I'm the one crying. I'm holding back tears. And they're the one that has a smile on their face. Mm. And they're consoling me. They're like, it's okay. I'll be okay. I've lived a good life. And you're saying to yourself, how are you able to do this? Yeah. It's all where they come from, where their heart is, subhanAllah. And that's what Allah Ta'ala tells us. Allah Ta'ala what? Allah wanted to see. He wanted to become clear. Did you tell the truth? When you said La ilaha illallah, did you tell the truth? And when you get tested and you pass those tests, you get to walk out of that moment thinking, Alhamdulillah, I told the truth. Yeah. But if if every test just completely destroys and dishevels and dislodges you from your life and makes you causes you to be dysfunctional. And you can't see any khair in it and you can't recover and you can't do this and you can't lean on people and life is just abysmal because of a flat tire and there are some people subhanallah they'll take anything and make it the worst thing ever mm. you know some people turn lemon into lemons into lemonade mm. some people turn lemonade back into lemons man they make the worst out of every scenario yeah subhanallah if a person can't do that may allah protect mm. us we never want to be those people that said la ilaha allah and then we lied yeah. about that statement right yeah. and so these moments allah gives us as moments of, of test so that we can prove you know that we that we actually meant it when we said this i have one last benefit that i'll share because i know we have yes. to go yes and this is i'll end with a story because this is a very powerful uh benefit and it i i i haven't really engaged in teaching this book yet because mm-hmm. i'm still working a lot on my own yeah you know thoughts and reflections in it but i i used it one night when i was teaching and i have a friend uh, a good friend of mine in Chicago, and he's a critical care doctor. And um, his daughter, Allah passed away uh, over a decade ago when she was 13 years old. And her passing was one that was not sudden. Uh, it was, uh, she received a, a diagnosis of a disease of a condition similar to ALS, right. um, in which there's a, a slow, 
degradation of quality of life and usage of muscles and eventually the nervous system and then there's a, a passing away the organs fail and he's a physician so he understands everything that's happening mm -hmm. and i remember because this was a decade ago and i uh sorry this was uh i think it was a little bit more than a decade ago i remember being somebody that uh you know a good friend of his he's an older brother he used to give khutbah in the community good guy really good guy mashallah and i remember seeing the posts and sh him sharing the news about his daughter bayan and uh i remember being like a younger brother to him and seeing and then eventually seeing her passing and the and the 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 the, the mention of janaza and the condolences coming in from the community i remember witnessing all of this and then there's the subsequent ch uh, charity efforts for sadaqa jari on her behalf mm. i watched all of it right and subhanallah he and i were and I've asked him if I could share this story, and he's given me permission. He and I were spending time together recently. I was visiting the city that he lives in, and in between my lectures, he and I went to go get dinner. And he was talking to me about this moment, and he said, you know, he's a very good Muslim, and he said that this has been one thing that I still don't understand the purpose of it. Why? Right. You know, like you said, like there's some you're going to get, some you're not going to get. He's really struggling with it. And he says, and I've just, I've, I've just, I've submitted to Allah that I will not understand this, and some days will be good, some will be bad. Some moments will be good, some will be bad. Mm -hmm. Okay? Allah Ta'ala gave him other children. Alhamdulillah, they are alive and well and healthy. But he said this is one that really just kind of, it it breaks him, and it stumps him, and it, it really is difficult for him, of course, as it mm -hmm. would be anybody. Of course, yeah. So that night, subhanAllah, we talked a little bit, and then that night, I was teaching from this book, and I brought up one point from the Imam is Ibn Abdul Salam his his points and he says that sometimes Allah tests a person so that they can become a mercy for other people. And that's the reason that you're being tested. Mm. You are being tested so that you can be a deliverer of mercy for someone else who's experiencing the same test later. Okay? And I'm sharing that point. I'm talking about it. What did so and so say? Ibn Qayyim said this, Ibn Rajab said this, so and so. I'm sharing it. And I see him in the audience, he's crying. And I look and I'm like, oh, subhanAllah. And our conversation is like ringing in my head. Mm. And then after the talk is done, he comes up, he says, let me drive you home. So, uh, or let me drive you back to where you're staying. So he, he takes me and he starts talking to me. He says, you know, um, for years I struggled understanding and I would talk to imams and mashayikh and shuyuh and ulama. I would never really get a satisfying answer and I was very difficult, it was difficult for me yeah. that my religion didn't give me like a clear, clear answer on what this, why this happened to my daughter. And then he said, but when you just shared that point of the Imam in the book about becoming a mercy for other people, he said something flashed through my mind and that is that at the hospital that I work at, they will call for me, there's like a special code that they'll call for him on the floor when there is a family who is losing their child right in the room mm -hmm. when the child is about to pass yeah or has received a very bad diagnosis or bad news there's a code they'll call for this doctor and he'll walk in the room and he says the families are sometimes catatonic sometimes they're hysterical sometimes they're in between sometimes they're shouting sometimes they're crying and he says they don't want to talk to any other doctors or nurses, because why? Because how? how? How does a person, like you said, how can you console somebody? Mm -hmm. You've never gone through what they're going through. Yeah. I'm sorry to tell you that your child will die. You know, I hope, let me know what I can do to help. Well, unless you've had a child die, 
You have no clue what this person is yep. experiencing. So he walks in. He says, hello, my name is Dr. So-and-so. And 10 years ago, my daughter died. And he says that the people just crumple into his arms and break down. And they hug him. Mm. And this is where it gets emotional. Is he said that. He said, he told me, he goes, I understand now that Allah put us through this because, you know, my daughter was meant to be a mercy for other people. And that was like, you know, that's her, that's her, uh, that's her goal. That's her mission. That's why Allah Ta'ala created her is that she's Rahmah for others. And so he said, like, finally that line kind of helped him and again of course this isn't this doesn't solve anything but it gave him perspective mm. it helped connect a dot maybe or two and that he said that you know this story now has some tangible wisdom in it that i can take and say when i meet with these families when i talk to them i am able to connect and only because only because allah put me through this moment am i able to now be a rahma for parents that are losing their own children. Yeah. And he sa- he basically told me that if this is the reason why she passed, what a noble reason. Right? And again, I'm sitting here <laughs> again as I always do, bawling, crying because I can't I can't even fathom what it would mean to lose my Musa or my Iman, my my kids. And you have this person who's courageously able to take this chance and connect the dots and try to figure this out with uh you know Allah's infinite wisdom. Uh, you know, understanding completely why, subhanAllah. And so that's one thing that I'll leave is a very powerful point that the imam brings, which is maybe if you saw your trials as being a preparation for you, mm-hmm. being a means of mercy for others, then maybe for you the trial would be worth it. Maybe. Maybe. Right? And we ask Allah Ta'ala to give us such a noble uh, opportunity to help others with our trials. I mean, Sheikh Rahman, it's been a, it's been a pleasure. Um, as always, yeah. and uh, I think, yeah, I think some of the stuff that we've discussed today um, really, really much needed. And I think there's a lot of listeners that will hopefully, inshallah, be, be able to resonate and, uh, and, and take something away. May Allah bless you and your family. Amen. And uh, hopefully, this isn't the last uh, meeting here in the no, UK. No, or definitely, inshallah. Not. definitely. That's not. why, inshallah. Barakallah fiqh. May Allah bless Barakallah. you. Amen. Ya Rabbi. Salaam alaikum. Salaam alaikum.